Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Pod and the Pendulum, the horror movie podcast that covers every single horror movie franchise, one movie, and one episode at a time, sometimes multiple episodes. I'm your host, Mike Snoonian, joined once again after a one-week absence by... Jerry Smith. What is up, everyone? Dude, you were just saying it's been a month, and you know we obviously put out episodes every week, but it's been a month since we've recorded together. I know it feels like so long. Oh God, it's crazy. Like, our our listeners are like, well, no, it's just been a week. No, like we recorded Freddy vs. Jason thirty days ago. I know we we banged out like four episodes in like a two day period to make up for vacations and travel schedules and. All that fun stuff. So we're see our our, our listeners. Our listeners cannot say that we don't care. No, and we're like a finely, you know, finely oiled machine here. So, <laughs> so just when I thought we were out, we've been pulled back in. What it's are like we? Godfather doing? Three. Oh my God, it feels like it. We're we're basically we're basically Al Pacino right now. Like oh. we're run, running away from Crystal Lake, but they keep pulling us back. And we're not good Al Pacino from no. Godfather 1 and 2 and Scarface. We're like old Al Pacino. We're like Al Pacino in like the Adam Sandler movie. Yeah, we're not even Al Pacino <laughs> in Heat right now. Yeah, we're the – oh. So, but what are we talking about right now? This is the final Friday the 13th episode, the wrap-up episode. Until so there's excited. another one. Right? So – we thought it would be a good idea to just kind of wrap up with some final thoughts on the series, do a ranking of some certain things, talk about where we want the franchise to go going forward. And I think for like at least the big four, Friday, Halloween, Elm Street, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I think that like it kind of warrants a wrap up and final discussion Whereas maybe like your leprechauns of the world don't necessarily. <laughs> they don't even deserve episodes. But they we're really, <laughs> but we have a format and we're going to have to. Yeah, at some point we're going to get to the point where we're like, oh, Jesus Christ, what are we covering now? Um, and then we're going to have a come to Jesus moment about what we're actually going to do with the show at that point. But and a, and then a press release goes out saying we change formats. <laughs> yes, but I think that. Um, I think that's a long way away. I think we have at least a few dozen series we're excited to cover before we get to before we get to the you know the world. Yes. Oh Jesus. <laughs> so Jerry, before we start, because you weren't able to join us last week because uh, of just some issues, why don't we just talk a little bit about what uh, what your thoughts were on the 2009 remake of Friday the Thirteenth? Oh man, I love that movie. Like, it gets a lot, a lot of shit for like, you know, the kills not being inventive enough. That you don't like the teens much. They're kind of obnoxious. But to me, it felt, it felt just like the old school Friday Thirteenth films that I loved. You know, before Jason went to Vancouver, before he went to hell, before he was like a worm, all that weird stuff. You know, Jason was back. I mean, he he grew pot, which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Because I'd, I'd really like to, you know, figure out, like, what the hell is going on with that. But, I mean, the, the film's great. I, I don't mind the bad kills. I, I think that teens are kind of supposed to be, a, a, like, obnoxious in that movie. I liked the Clay character. I, I kind of wish they would have just made Tommy Jarvis the main character. Uh, and 
even if the movie wasn't that great towards uh, the second half, which I, I do think it is, I love it, uh, that opening, I still think, is one of the best slasher openings of all time. Like, it is so intense. It really is. And, you know, sometimes I wonder, because I have a, I, you know, you're going to hear this refrain, refrain for me a lot when we talk about modern horror movies, is the kids just aren't likable. And I wonder how much of that is the fact that I'm old um, and I just am afraid of children at this point. And maybe they just all seem unlikable to me versus like if you're an 18 year old watching this movie or you're like, nah, these kids are fine. Well, what's funny is, you know, I'm, I'm 38 and which I mean, I'm obviously not on AARP or getting a discount on coffee. But at the same time, like I get annoyed by a lot of younger characters, too. You know, like they, they drive me nuts in most of these movies. But what was funny about uh, Friday the 13th, the, the remake and a lot of films kind of like that sense. I don't get as annoyed with obnoxious characters because I just I kind of stop and think to myself, well, my kids are kind of annoying, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like <laughs> they're young, yeah. you know, like my 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 oldest is going to be 18 in a few months. Mm-hmm. And it's just like that's kind of right, right around the age that these people are supposed to be. And, you know, my kids can be annoying as shit. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I think I'm more accepting of obnoxious teen characters now. Yeah, I would say that. I think I'll get more accepting of them when my so my daughter's nine right now, and everyone is telling me like, "Oh, wait till she's a teenager," and I just want to shoot every single one of those people in the face whenever they say that because I'm really enjoying my nine year old and how awesome See, she is, and I'm like. Don't tell me that I only have four more years of her being well, awesome. What's funny is, you know, I used to hear that a lot, too. And I was the same as you. I was just like, no, like you're full of shit. Like, I'm going to yeah. punch you. But like about 15 minutes before we started recording right now, like uh, before and after recording this episode, I'm doing like a basically an all day and night movie marathon with my kids and my wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got the projector out, chose all these movies and stuff. And, you know, I thought it would be so awesome to show my kids The Hitcher for the first time. Not the mm-hmm. remake, but the, the original, the Eric Red written one masterpiece. Mm-hmm. They would not sit still for a single fucking minute of that movie. Oh. So so that like, like, oh, no, my kids are perfect thing. Like, I'm starting to believe these people. Yeah, we took Ada to see Jaws last night at a drive-in. Ooh. I went with like two of my favorite people in the world who, by the way, asked me about Starfish like when we were uh, Al White who guested on our part two episode of Friday the 13th. Um, really cool. They're like, have you seen this movie called Starfish? And I guess they had just watched it a couple of nights ago and dug, like mostly dug it, had some issues, but mostly dug it overall. But we went to this drive-in that was doing Jaws and Jurassic Park as a double feature. Oh my and- God. Which, yeah, it was awesome. Um, and my wife has never been to a drive-in before. Um, and Jaws is her favorite movie. Um, but after Jaws, like, we were all like, hey, you know what? We're all super tired. Like, Ada was fading out. She was falling asleep a bit. And I'm like, all right, I think we're going to pack up and go home. And she was like, not whining, but like, I'm fine. I'm not tired. Why don't we stay and I'm like, because I'm not going to be able to stay up two more hours and make it home. And she kind of like threw a little hissy fit and I had to cut it off at the pass. And I'm like, look, this is the deal. Like, we won't go and do any more cool things if this is how you're going to react. Like, I have an hour drive ahead of me. I'm exhausted. And she's like, OK. And that was it. So it was all right. See, that's 
I see that actually makes me I'm not happy that that happened, but I'm kind of happy that that happened because a few weeks ago, uh, the the closest drive into us is about an hour and a half away. Mm -hmm. So we make the drive maybe once or twice a month, you know, take the kids to the drive and to experience, you know, what I grew up experiencing. And we took them there and we're like, you know what, let's not watch the, you know, more adult but kid okay movies. Let's just go straight on movies that only my kids will like really care about so Mm -hmm. i took them to see the lion king and toy story 4 which i mean Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna lie i was really excited for toy story 4 but it is without a doubt one of the worst experiences i've ever been through really oh there's like you know like you as a parent you love your kids so much but then there's times like that the days that you just never anticipate happening to where like you go home and you're like God, why didn't I take the other pill? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's funny, but yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Like, you and we were talking off air before my wife and daughter went to England a couple months ago, and they always go for like a month and a half in the summer. And this year I joined them, and you were like, man, aren't you going to miss them? And I'm like, nope. You know, just like. <laughs> gonna enjoy and like and i do i mean i joke i love them dearly but i watched every fucking movie i wanted (laughs) i ate what i wanted um you know like i was on my like this is great like this is the greatest thing ever um and after a few weeks obviously you get like tired and bored and whatnot um but it was just like, yeah, kids can sometime. This is a long way of saying, like, maybe we I was a little bit hard on <laughs> some of the teens from the Friday the 13th remake. Because that's just... I know, our, our listeners are like, wait, what is this what episode about? I forgot. <laughs> I completely forgot for a minute. All right. So let's get this gravy train back on track. Um, so what do we want to do first? Do we want to rate our lowest to highest? Do we want to do our favorite Jason or our favorite kills? We have no plan tonight. Like I am. You know, we, we have uh, we have listener comments too with those questions, right? We do. So let yeah, me get into here because I did bookmark. Jump it. right in. Awesome. I didn't realize that you could bookmark tweets on Twitter, and this what? is going to change my life. Um, it's going to make it so much easier. So. Why don't we start with favorite Jason? Well, let's do our top three favorite Jasons. All right. I'm going to let you go first. Who's your number three? We'll go. We'll, we'll alternate here. Who's number your number three? three? Uh, let's see. I'd have to go with Kane Hodder. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a massive fan of the films that he was in as Jason, but I'm a huge fan of Kane Hodder as Jason. He was mean. He was menacing. I mean, he would just rip your head off and just kick your body, you know? It wasn't as subtle as a lot of, like, the first couple Jasons. Yeah, definitely he's number, my number three. My number three is also Kane Hodder um, because he brought – like you said, like, he is in – well, I actually really like part nine. Um, but he was in four of the lesser-regarded Friday the 13th movies, but that's no fault of his. Um, I don't care, you know, you could have had Al Pacino playing Jason in part eight and it's going to be like a shitty movie. Actually, Al Pacino is Jason. <laughs> I awesome. just pictured that in my head. Hoo-ha! Whoa, cut you! <laughs> you know, who's having sex here? I smell vagina. <laughs> it's, oh my god. This is one for the rest. This is why we have guests. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alright. So, but yeah, because Kane Hodder brought that physicality, he brought that like pissed off dad energy 
to it overall. And he just like things like the way he would roll his shoulders or work his jaw when the mask was off, like little things like that. Um, it fleshed out the character of Jason a bit more overall. And I like the kind of unstoppable force that is like, this is when Jason's really that unstoppable killing machine that, I mean, he's pretty much the shark in Jaws. He just moves and kills and that's all he does. All right. Who is your number two? My number two is Derek Mears. Uh, Okay. I chose Derek because even though the remake isn't probably in my top four or five of the films. I, I love it, and the, the biggest reason I love it is because of Derek. He brought he brought a combination of multiple Jasons into one portrayal. I, he he's he plays Jason scared like two, but brutal like Kane's Jason. Like that opening that we talked about. You know when when the uh, when Clay's sister you know is trying to get back from Jason. You know like backwards and he's running towards her and he puts the machete in the dude's head like there is such like just ferocity to him Mm -hmm. like he's so he made jason scary again in my opinion yeah i think we're going to end up having the same rankings here it's my number (laughs) two is also Derek mears um he's just this like i mean he just towers over everybody he has such tremendous physical presence and he's so athletic in the role um I think of like the moment like right before in the remake, right before the title card comes up, he does this kind of like little spin with, I think it was the machete that he was holding where it's just this cool little maneuver. And it's like a, a Jason that you've never seen even in part two, when it was like the hillbilly Jason, that's still human. He's never moved like this. Um, And he's got this great, bulk and physical presence to him that doesn't necessarily like when tyler main is playing michael myers and he towers over everybody it doesn't quite fit what and it's no fault of tyler mains he's just happens to be seven feet tall um it doesn't really fit the character of michael myers where this kind of hulking presence totally fits jason Voorhees. and you know what's cool is uh when Hmm. when when Derek was announced and people were talking about what kind of Jason we would see before the film came out, I remember Derek referenced it like he wanted to play it like Rambo, like John Rambo. And, you know, before seeing the movie, I was like, what the hell does that mean? Mm-hmm. You know, and after seeing the movie, I could totally see it. Not in the later Rambo movies, but like First, First Blood. Blood, you know, this mm-hmm. the survivalist do what you need to do to survive. And I feel like that's exactly what came off in his performance. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting take on the character because the townspeople are all generally aware of him mm-hmm. and that he's out there. And they're like, if we leave him alone, he'll leave us alone. And then when these interlopers come uh, and, you know, and try to like when they kind of break into where he is, you know, that's what he's like. OK, you know, game on. And there's no stopping him at that point. He's just like going to defend his turf. I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. I think we count down from three and we um, blurt out our number one. because I'm interested to see. And I think I know who you're going to say. So three, two, one, Ted White. Ted White. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that is great. Yeah. He this is the definitive Jason in terms yes. of the look. Um, in terms of like human Jason, um, I just the, the for me what the two things that seal it is that moment where he comes like sprinting out of the house, 
Yeah. And he's just like Ben Johnson in the 88 Olympics hauling ass. Uh, <laughs> it's so fucking scary. And then that moment where he has, is it Trish? Is that Tommy's sister? Yeah. So when he has Trish and Tommy between them, and he doesn't know which one he wants to go after, he's just looking back and forth. It's so good. I just think he's so menacing and massive as Jason. It's, the, to that... me, the definitive one. Oh, totally. I agree 100%. And I think one of my favorite moments with Ted White as Jason is is a big reason why I prefer him. It's when Crispin Glover's just kind of crucified up there. And Jason's so just annoyed with everyone that mm-hmm. he, he doesn't go around. He doesn't do anything. He's just like, eh, screw it. And he just shoves him off of, you know, basically being crucified. And it's so brutal to watch. And mm-hmm. I just, there's, there, he's so mean as Jason. He, he is that pissed off dad, kind of like what you mentioned. You know, just like, get this shit out of my face, yeah. you know? I love it. It's Yeah, it's awesome. So I'm going to read a couple of tweets here, okay? All right. Uh, let's see. From Cowboy Jason, who is at Wells 82 his favorite Jason, he says, favorite Jason. I've never really thought of it, but I'm going to go with Richard Brooker from Part 3. Whoa. Good choice. Good I, choice. I like it. I like Brooker as Jason. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I think maybe I'm just not like a massive fan of the film itself. And I think right. even even in a lot of the Friday 13 films that I'm not really big on, I think the people that play Jason in them are pretty pretty awesome. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't like Freddy vs. Jason much, but I think Ken Kersinger kind of did what he could with the character. So mm-hmm. I, mean, I appreciate that. It's kind of what Brooker is for, to me, too. Yeah, like Brooker, I think I, when we did that episode, he was the kind of like bored suburban dad that yeah. like has been told by his wife to go mow the lawn before he watches football. And he's like, okay. And he goes to do it, but he doesn't really want to. That's how I saw Richard Brooker. The difference between Brooker and Ted White for me is Brooker is exactly like you said. He's frustrated and everything. Whereas Ted White, I feel like could be the same dad, but if he wasn't stuck in, if he was stuck in uh, falling down with Michael Douglas, mm-hmm. you know that moment where he's stuck in traffic and he just snaps, snaps. and he's just, he's just tired of everything. Mm-hmm. I feel yeah, like that's, that's a good transition. analogy. Yeah, that's a good analogy. Um, same tweet, favorite film, Jason Lives, hands down. It's pure comfort film. And yeah. where do we go from here? Honestly, I don't care. I just want to see Jason back on the big screen so yep i would agree with cowboy jason and all of those things should we do one more of the, uh, let's do one more of the tweets sure. right now okay yeah. from juan carlos who's at pure nope purse peaking juan carlos at purse peaking not quite sure what that is it doesn't sound legal legal um favorite jason is richard brooker another vote for part wow. three. interesting right on um favorite movie the final chapter and another vote for just make a film that's all i care about right now you know it's that's i think that's the unfortunate thing is as fans we're all to that point to where i feel like we would even take a flaming turd at this point as long as it's in it it's like just give us something you know it's criminal that it's been 10 years yes i mean when you think about the first Eight installments took came out over a course of what nine years? You got eight movies in nine years, right? Mm-hmm. Between 1993, so you have four movies between 93 and 2019. Mm-hmm. That's insane, and these are not like difficult movies to do. Well, the problem is, you know, and 
all of us are are very quick to you know cite the whole legal aspect of what's going mm -hmm. on right now and you know rightfully so we should it's bullshit but even with that being said how many different uh, interpretations of Friday the 13th were they setting up before that? Right. I, it seemed like every month there was a new script that they were doing, you know, whether it's... Yeah. Uh, found you know, footage, Jason. Found footage, uh, or Nick and Tosca uh, writing the script, you know, one that takes place in the 80s with new music and, you know, feathered hair. There was one yeah. with Jason's dad. And it, it seemed like even before the legal stuff, there were so many problems with where to go with this series. And it's just like, to be honest, and this is what the this is the direction I would go. Take it back to camp. Don't give us a huge backstory. We don't need Elias Voorhees. Bring Tommy Jarvis back, maybe, but you don't have to. But make Jason, in, in my opinion, make Ju Jason like a human again. Make it simple. You know, make it one mm -hmm. through four. Even if you have to do the undead thing, that's fine with me. But just keep it simple. We don't need this over-explanation of everything because Friday the 13th has never been that. Right. Yeah, there's no need to make it as complicated as they're making it right now. I don't quite get it. Um, and I think the idea of, like, bring it back to the campsite, have a summer camp, you know, like, do what you did in parts one and two where, like, Kids are getting the camp ready, and they're the only ones there, and they don't know what's going on, and just make a fun throwback slasher movie. And don't, you know, don't do what you did with Jason X, where it's very self-referential, yeah. it's in on the joke. And Jason X is fine, like, I really enjoy that movie, but I don't need, like, meta horror when it comes to Friday the 13th. I just want a movie I'm going to enjoy. Well, that, and if you look back to, like, uh... The, the previous It, Chapter 1, that came out a couple years ago. One thing that was so great about that movie is those kids were so just down-to-earth and normal feeling to mm -hmm. me. You know, it's like I what like, that was me growing up. Yeah. Like, and that that's exactly what we got in the final chapter. If we got a new movie that was simple, back to camp, and gave us those characters that when they die, you care about that. You, you feel sympathetic towards that. Instead of it just being what it was towards the end, and this is what every slasher franchise gets towards the end, where it's just like, I don't care about the characters, I'm just coming to see Jason do kills. The first few films, you cared about the characters, and I think that's kind of what we need again. We need right. we, we need to feel bad when bad things happen to good people. Right. One through four, to a lesser extent five, and part six, you like everybody, you like the teens in those movies. Whenever I hear someone talk about Friday the 13th and say, well, they're just disposable kids and you don't care about that any any of them. I mean, I kind of call like horseshit to that. I don't think that's true until you get to the later entries of the movies overall. Um, uh, that that was a, a, a big argument, uh, like I said, about the remake. Everyone talked about they didn't like the characters. But I feel like the obnoxious characters in the remake were supposed to be obnoxious. You're not supposed right. to like Trent at all. No. You know, like that guy's supposed to be a dick from the first time he gets on yeah. screen. And so that's I, why I, he. Uh -huh. you, no, you finished first. My bad. Oh, no. I was going to say, like, that's what you're supposed to do. And, I, like, people point to, like, bad acting or bad character development. No, that that is actually the opposite. If you hate and despise that character, then they did a great job. And that's exactly what I want in, in a new movie. Give us characters that are right. supposed that are the way they're supposed to be. Yeah, and I don't, you know, I think the thing with Trent, he gets a badass death. Like, he gets impaled on the tow truck, 
and then dragged down the street as he's like dying. The tow truck truck guy is hauling ass down the street, dragging <laughs> his heels in the mud. Like that is a very that's the kind of death like that character deserves, as opposed to say like in part seven you have like the evil doctor who for all intents and purposes like dies off screen in all movie long like you're like waiting for this guy to get murdered by jason in the most disgusting way possible and then there's like one little trickle of blood and then that's really about it at that point well what i love love in these movies what i love about these movies a lot of them is when like people who think they're badasses finally get revealed that they're kind of bitches you know yeah. <laughs> like Trent, Trent, the whole movie trying to be like the alpha male like what happens when the girl falls down like on the uh, on the cop car or whatever he screams like a little baby yeah. it's, it's the same as like kurt russell and death proof you know he's mr badass but once the girls shoot him in the arm he's crying like a little baby like i love seeing those characters go through that stuff absolutely no you're 100 percent right on that um all right so we covered our best Jasons. Where do you want to go from here? Uh, well, maybe we should just go th- shortly through uh, the sequels, uh, the films, kind of last-minute thoughts on each of them. So why don't we do our rankings then? How about that might be the easiest way to do Let's it. do it. Okay. So we have 12 movies all together. <laughs> I think you, I know where you're going with your least favorite one. I'm going to go first in this one. Okay, go for it. Go and on. I'll say this, like you know, because I'm gonna, there's going to be some controversy here. After you get my my aside from my least favorite pick, and until you get to my top two choices, I like all these movies almost equally overall. Mm-hmm. They're all fun, and I would like definitely watch them every time they're on and seek them out. My least favorite Friday the Thirteenth is Jason Goes to Manhattan. Mm-hmm. It's a chore to sit through that movie. Um, the kills are mostly pretty boring. Rennie is the absolute pits when it comes to a final girl. Like, she's so boring. Like, the most interesting thing about Rennie is that she has Stephen King's pen. That's really... (laughs) um, And I know I've, like, harped on this in other episodes, but, like, leaving, like, Jason in the sewers when he reverts to, like, a little special needs boy at the end of the movie. Such a dick move by Rennie and Scott at that point. Um, it takes an hour to get to Vancouver. Um, and like, this is the smallest senior class of all time. Like you literally see maybe 10 kids in the whole senior class. And that's really about it. And like, you know, they must be more, but like they leave everybody else behind on the boat to get killed by Jason. Yeah. Like these teachers are so derelict in their duty. It's like, you know, they're like, all right, we have four kids on this boat and everyone else, eh, you know what, they they were the shop kids. We don't really yeah. care about them anyway. <laughs> um, so it's such a chore to get through it. And then just what, like, within one minute of getting to quote-unquote New York, they're held, you know, they're held up. Um, Rennie is kidnapped. She's sexually assaulted and then force-fed drugs, all within, like, two minutes of arriving on on the island it's just it's a bad movie it's really bad so that is my number 12 pick all right my number 12 is jason goes to hell wow i i cannot do that movie you know and one of my favorite things about doing this series of episodes on friday 13th 
is every single one of them has made me reevaluate each film mm-hmm. and look at it differently. Uh, you know, really briefly, Justin Beam on episode one, I walked into that. I've never been a huge fan of the first movie. After doing that episode with Justin Beam, like, I have such a newfound appreciation for it. Jason Goes to Hell, I have not changed a single thing. Really? And, like, it got to the point where, like, I was just, it, I think it was the one episode where I felt bad afterwards. It's mm-hmm. like, cause, you know, we tried to do a positive spin, but I just didn't have anything pleasant to say. And when we did, when we did the side episode, when you talked to Adam Marcus, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't do that episode. And it wasn't mm-hmm. like a personal thing. Like I didn't want to, but like, I, I thought, kind of thought for a second, like, I hope people think that I just didn't do that episode because I don't like Jason goes to hell. But I remember, I remember you telling me that like, listening to the Jason goes to hell episode, didn't his wife get really pissed? His wife was so <laughs> pissed. She was like yelling at the podcast the whole oh. time. Like, <laughs> You know, like, you just don't get it, which, to me, like, that's an awesome wife, like, right there. Um, you know, like, that's so cool that she was like, she's like, okay, Jerry, I guess you don't like the movie. Tell us how you really feel. Uh, oh, really? Like, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. my God. So, but, yeah, Jason goes to hell on my bottom. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we got the last. Now, once you get to this one, like once I'm through this one, pretty much like you could take all until you get to parts one and two, you know, yeah. depending on how I am this day, like it, the the um, my rankings might change. But I have um, part seven, A New Blood next at, at my bottom. Yeah, I just like to me, it's a rehash of part four, but it's not done as well. Um, mm-hmm. This is when the to me, when the. Um, cannon fodder becomes a lot less likable overall. Um, Tina is, and I think we talked, we did that episode. Um, we discussed how Tina isn't that interesting of a final girl overall, aside from the fact that she has, you know, these like kinetic powers. Um, and we were all pretty much team Melissa, if I remember correctly. Well, yeah, I mean, Melissa's, she's an asshole, but at the same time, like, she's at least interesting. Like, Tina, if you take the powers away, like, she would just be somebody that you would never want to invite to your birthday party. No, and there was, like, no chemistry between her and the male lead, I think Nick, in that movie. Like, they were just antagonistic towards one another the whole time. And it's when, like, things start to become a little bit of a cheat in the Friday the 13th movies. You know, this is when, like, teleportation Jason becomes a thing. Um, Tina would have made a clean getaway, but all of a sudden she has this vision about her mother and crashes the car. So things become a little bit of a cheat overall. Now, on the positive, oh, and also, like, they were far too sad about their abusive dad being dead. Yeah, right. Dad, who is, like, killed by Tina with her mind powers after he beats the shit out of mom once he goes on an alcoholic bender. Uh, and they were like, oh, we really miss him. He was a great guy. Uh, like, what? No, he wasn't. Um, <laughs> Not at all. But, like, this is the first Kane Hodder movie. He's fucking great in this movie. Uh, it does have one of the classic kills. Um, it overall. And... I think that, like, the makeup in this movie, like, you know, like, John, uh, I'm going to, uh, Bueller, Bueller, I can never pronounce his name. Uh, 
Beekler, yes. John Beekler um, could tell he was an FX guy because, like, the makeup work in this movie is, like, so top-notch. Oh, so it has that going for There are a lot of really good things. It is fun to watch overall, but it's just near the bottom of my list. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine, uh, not the last, but the one right before that, would be Jason Takes Manhattan. Hmm. Uh, I can't stand the movie. It's not very enjoyable, but I think that it's just – above Jason Goes to Hell for me because of a lot of the reasons that a lot of people stick up for Jason Goes to Hell every once in a while. Uh, Jason Takes Manhattan is atrociously bad. But if you would have asked a very young Jerry, okay, if or if you would have told me when I was a little kid just getting into these movies, like, you know, eventually you're going to get one where Jason takes a boat to New York. The main girl has Stephen King's pin uh, and she gets abducted by a gang, shot up with heroin, and punk rockers listen to hip hop. Like, my mind would have just exploded. It's so batshit crazy bad that, like, I find myself, like, watching it from time to time. Like, I don't enjoy it, but it's almost like, it's almost like, you know, it's almost like I like the abuse for that movie. Mm-hmm. And, but, like, you know, you mentioned, like, you know, having a small graduating class. I always thought that if the teacher maybe was less up Rennie's ass and taught her kids, maybe there'd be a bigger graduating class. Like maybe, maybe don't maybe don't spend a fortune on Stephen King's pen and maybe just buy a, a you know quite a few Bic pens or pencils for the rest of your class. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, it's just like the teachers were so useless. And why did the principal? Why was he so interested in that girl's like science projects? Like, what was he doing there for that? I don't think Rob Hedden knew anything. Like, you know, what's funny is it is legendary how much cocaine was on the set of Seven. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, I think there was more cocaine while writing Eight for whoever was involved because that movie is it's just wacko. It's yeah. wacko. Yeah, it's off the rails. Well, speaking of cocaine binges, my <laughs> next pick is part five, A New Beginning. Oh, Lord. Um, and I like this movie a lot. Like, I've at watching it a couple more. Because, again, like, I think the Friday series is pretty consistent overall. It's just, it's the one without Jason. Um, it's really, really sleazy. Thank you, Dan, uh, Danny Steinman. Um you know, you could tell, you know, what he was kind of aiming for. He really wanted that kind of sleazy 42nd Street vibe. And it gets hacked to bits because of that. So it can be a little bit incoherent at times. However, you get some pretty baller kills. You get Reggie the Reckless. You get yeah. that awesome, like, acapella uh, musical number on a porter potty. Um, you get an absolutely batshit Tommy... Uh, Jarvis interpretation in this overall. So, and you get Roy, who's just like poor sweet Roy. Um, and it's just like it's it's not. Oh, and that dance number when that like the punk girl is doing yeah. her like, headphone dance number. Um, it's a lot of fun. Like there's the more to like than not like overall. It just it suffers from the fact that it's you know Roy and not Jason in this. And it wants to be a whodunit, but there's never a single clue as to, like, why it would be a whodunit. Kind of like part one, like, you know, like, oh, hello, random character that we've, you know, seen for two lines. Like, of course we should have known it was you. Like, no, it's not. 
that movie also has like a lot of like Perry Mason or Andy Griffith show, uh, you know, the, the mystery ones kind of close up, sudden close ups on random characters mm-hmm. to try to like make you think, you know, they're the red herrings of the film. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, so. My pick in that slot is Freddy versus Jason. Okay. Uh, a movie that I think is better than Manhattan and better than Jason Goes to Hell, but it's still it's it's the final film in the bottom three for me that just doesn't work at all for me. Like there's a couple good sequences I enjoy, but Freddy versus Jason, Manhattan, and Jason Goes to Hell are the three that I just cannot do. Everything before that are movies that I actually enjoy in in varying degrees. Mm-hmm. I just uh, you know it's it's obvious that maybe Ronnie you just didn't care about the characters much. It's it's very obvious to me. Uh, I think Kane Hodder being replaced was kind of a dick move on everybody's yeah. part. Uh, you know I I think the one thing that maybe saves Freddy versus Jason for me at times is Robert England because yeah. you could tell he is having so much fun in that movie yeah. and it gives it an extra amount of heart. Yeah, he is. He definitely makes that movie. He definitely, definitely makes that movie. It's to me, it is more of a, um, it is more of a Nightmare on Elm Street movie than it is a, um, than it is a Friday the Thirteenth movie. And I, you know, I know you yeah. said Ken Ken Kersinger, he's fine, but I, and I think the one thing I got like rewatching all these movies back to back for the, in preparation is that he's not Kane Hodder. Um, yeah. you know, and I think that if like Kane Hodder was playing Jason, I think that Freddie versus Jason might be in everyone's top four. Um, is it is it's a fine movie, and I'll talk a bit more about it in a little bit. But my next pick, my I guess would be my number 12, 11, 10, my number nine would be Jason X. Again, fine movie, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's got David Cronenberg. Jason in space is it's a ridiculous concept, but it is a lot of fun. Um, it's just you know it's it's a bit silly, I guess. Like it overall is like a little bit silly, but it probably has the best kill in the whole series overall. It knows what it wants to be. Um, maybe it gets a little bit too meta for a Friday the Thirteenth movie, and you can tell that it was done in the wake of Scream, and now all of our slasher movies have to be ironic and self-aware. Although it does have some really fun bits, like, you know, the professor going, oh, he just wanted his machete. It's okay, guys. Like, that Mm -hmm. to me is kind of neat. And it's probably the best remake of Alien that we're ever going to get. Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. My next pick is actually Jason X as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, I like that movie a lot. It's so much fun. And what it reminds me of that actually I don't think I got a chance to say on the actual episode for Jason X. It reminds me of like the Universal Monster movies when they mm-hmm. would go off the rails a little bit. Like like when Al- Abbott and Costello would meet, you know, a sure. Universal Monster. Mm-hmm. That's what it feels like to me. Like one of those comical side quests for a character that's perhaps serious in other films. I, you know, I love it for that. It's It's full of just... It's full of imagination. Yep. Like you said, David Cronenberg, like between Jason X and Nightbreed, like it's so cool seeing Cronenberg in movies. Yeah. He's just having a good time when he's there too, you know? To me, yeah. he's just like chilling and hanging out. He's having a good time. Okay. My next pick, this might be a little controversial, but Friday the 13th Part 3. Mm, wow. I, you know, I this is the, the one where... <sighs> 
none of the kids aside from Shelly really stand out to me at all. Like I have a very hard time um, picking out the final girl from like two of the other actresses in the movie. They all kind of look the same to me. Um, it has that really bizarre, overly long entry se- um, segment where it's like 17 minutes before you even meet the kids because you spend so much fucking time in that grocery store with Harold and his like super hateful wife. Um, <laughs> and it's good. Like, I mean, there are some really cool set pieces in it. Like, I think the kill where the dude's walking upside down and like bumps into Jason and you have that really cool shot. Um, I think the biker gang stuff is really fun. I think the final showdown in the barn is really fun. I like that Jason taunts um, his victims a little bit, like when he lifts up his mask to show, like, yep, you've seen me before, and now I'm coming. Like, that's a really cool Jason right there. Um, but, you know, overall, like, of the, I think the first four Friday movies make a nice, tight little quadrilogy of movies. This is the weak link of those four. But again, perfectly fine slasher. Would never shut it off if it comes on and probably would like actively seek to put it out, put it on like once every couple years or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Uh, my next pick is part seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt like it's the last film in the series that kind of faintly resembles the Friday 13th era that I grew up loving. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's the final one that kind of feels Crystal Lake heavy. Uh, you know, maybe not as much as the previous ones, but, you know, it's it's before the, hey, let's let's take him to, you know, New York. Let's make him a worm. You know, let it's before he's afraid of water. You know, I, I like Seven. It has quite a few issues, in my opinion. Like, obviously, the MPAA ruined a lot. I think Terry Kaiser is just he's just so smug looking that you want to reach in and strangle mm-hmm. him. But I mean, I I love the kills. Uh, I love how bitchy Melissa is. Uh, I think a lot of the effects are great. You know, the pearls, you know, Kane Hodder getting everything from a TV to like falling through stairs, a house falling on him. Like that's just fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the climactic battle with him is a lot of fun. I think that if it wasn't cut down so much by the MPAA, I would have it higher in my list than I had it. Mm-hmm. All right. Freddy versus Jason is my next pick overall. Ooh. And again, it's partly because it feels like so much like a Elm Street movie more than a Friday the 13th movie. Um, partly because I think Ken Kersinger is not that great of a Jason, but there's a lot like Monica Kina is a lot of fun in this movie. Catherine Isabel, I would watch do pretty much everything. Um, Jason Ritter, I think, is really good in his role. It's There's some really good imaginative sequences. And I think when you get to the climatic battle between Freddy and Jason, like that gives you every single thing that you were looking for as a fan. Like it is just like a WWE uh, hardcore battle royal, you know, no holds barred type of match. And it's a lot of fun. Um it like at that point like the kids kind of get out of the way and you just get to see like for 20 minutes like these two guys beat the shit out of one another uh and again robert's if this is robert england's last time and i still think he has one more in him and i think he thinks he has one more in him but if it's his last time playing freddie in a movie it's a pretty fun note to go out on um what would have made it a little bit higher 
probably a little bit more Dominic Necros, I think, if we had. <laughs> I was about to say that, actually. That's funny. Yeah. Um, I do think it's, like, weird how they had – they took a decade to make this movie, and this is what they came up with. Like, yeah. it just, to me, again, it's the overthinking of things overall that he kind of has always held it back a little bit. Oh, totally. I, I agree with you. Uh, right. My next pick is part three. Mm-hmm. Uh, a movie that I enjoy, but I, I think I just have a lot of issues with it. I don't like the whole idea that, you know, Jason maybe raped the the final girl. Mm. Like, it's just, I feel like it's so unnecessary. It really doesn't feel like Crystal Lake. Like, it, it totally feels, you know, it, it, like the location, the geography of it feels very off. Uh, you know, Jason seems kind of bored. He is kind of that annoyed dad that you mm-hmm. were talking about. But with that being said, I think a lot of the stuff, I think it does work in a lot of ways. I, I love Shelley, even though, you know, a lot of people don't. I think his character's great. I think some of the weird scenes are, are ones that make me laugh. Like the the uh, kind of gas station attendant that's just so venomously against uh, welfare. Mm-hmm. It's just like, <laughs> like, like it's such a random thing to be like that passionately against, you know? It's like this, this right. pregnant this pregnant woman's going in to try to buy something, and without even like seeing how she's paying, this attendant just like basically rips her a new one over. You know, it's kind of like profiling someone. Uh, I like, think Fox Fox and her gang are great. I, I I like it. It's good. Like if they made that movie today, that gas station attendant would be wearing like a Make America Great Again hat. Oh right? yeah. Right. I mean, you know that that would be. That would be the way it is, right? They'd there. be they'd be open carrying. They'd have like a big assault rifle on their oh. back. <laughs> oh. Um, all right. My next pick is it's right here in the middle. Is Jason goes to hell? Yeah. Um, I you know like it's funny when we started doing this. I think I even tweeted like, well, some movies really don't deserve a critical reevaluation, and Jason goes to hell is one of them. And I would when I rewatched it, I forgot how fun this movie can be and i get like yeah jason's a worm we get it they were doing something different um i think adam marcus when he talked to us like he was really confused about why sean cunningham did not want jason in the movie so much either so i think given the edict that he had he created a really fun movie i like that it's a a more adult cast because you're about, you know, this movie comes out about 13 years after the original. So if you were fit growing up with these movies, you're now an older, you're now an adult, you're now out of school and facing some of the issues that these characters did. And I kind of like that as a choice. Duke fucking Creighton. I mean, come on, like, you know, a little girl pushing a hot dog through a hole. Um, how do you not love that fucking character? Um, and then having K and B, you know, put did just a masterful job on these special effects like you know the face getting smashed through um the grate in the autopsy table is such an awesome kill um and just like the jason the look of jason i think like it looks so much better you know than what we saw in part eight which is like the worst makeup overall um the black beating heart like it just looks so grotesque like can you could tell um how much care went into the effects overall here um so i really dig it like this movie is a lot of fun um 
So, you know, it lands like not quite in my top four or five, just kind of outside of that. But I think that it's it's getting its due now. I think more people appreciate this movie now than when it first came out. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I can totally see that. I do love uh, Leslie Jordan trying to uh, mess with the gun in that scene. Mm-hmm. It's, it, I laugh every single time I see yeah. that. It's great. All uh, right. Next on my list is part five. Uh, you know, I, I am quite fond of this movie. You know, it doesn't have Jason, but it has everything that I loved about Friday the, th- Friday the 13th films. It's a little sleazier than usual, and you could tell, mm-hmm. you know, obviously uh, a former porn director did it. You could tell that. Uh, but I, I feel like Five is the film that started this maybe two or three film long uh, series of just cocaine driving Friday the 13th movies. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, it seems like five, not so much six, but maybe five, seven and eight. It's just like, man, cocaine's a hell of a drug. Mm-hmm. You know, like it is so sleazy and just so just out there. I mean, Joey, oh man, Joey is a character that you kind of want to strangle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but then again, did he really deserve an axe to the back and getting chopped up? Like, that's right. just, it's it's so, like, just balls out. Uh, you know, I, I love it. And I, I don't mind that Jason's not in it because, like you said, we got Reggie the Reckless, which mm-hmm. I think is a character that should be as beloved as Tommy Jarvis. I yep. think Reggie is just the greatest. Well, you know why he's not? Racism. They, oh, right. Yeah, did it, like. They wanted to they wanted to kill him off in in the next movie and he wouldn't come back for that reason. Good for him. Right? Good for him. I mean like definitely bring him and bring Tommy Jarvis back and whatever. Oh, man. You know, we got to get a cool. bug. You know what we got to do is we got to get a bug in a Womp Stomp film in Vince uh, Vincent's ear cuz I know that Tom Matthews is coming back for the follow up to Never Hike Alone. But you got to bring back Reggie the Reckless. Oh, right. See how I bad know. would that be? Now, they're two weeks away from, from the time we're recording this. They're less than two weeks away from making their announce, uh, a big announcement about the sequel. And, like, we got to get Reggie. We got we, we to do a change.org petition, bring back Reggie the Reckless. You know, what's, what's crazy is bringing Reggie back would be bigger to me than when, like, Refused or Jawbreaker got back together, which were, oh. like, huge moments, or At the Drive-In got back together. Those were like what moments? Reggie the Reckless in a new Friday Thirteenth, whether it's whether it's like a studio film or something really awesome like what Womp Stomp's doing. Mm-hmm. Like I I want to see Reggie come back. Absolutely, I will not say it's bigger than Jawbreaker getting. Back <laughs> oh, I know. That's just ridiculous. Now, well, maybe maybe if, maybe if Jess of Brazil got back together. Yeah, I would say it's bigger than Jess. <laughs> Although I really like the um, the last Jess of Brazil album. Oh, me too. Um, all right, my next pick is the remake, Friday the 13th, sitting, yeah, right in my top five. Now, my number five pick, Friday the 13th, the 2009 remake. It gets Jason perfect. I think the opening 20 minutes are like a perfect short film. Um, I actually, as much as I don't like the characters that follow, I love that first group of campers. I think they're a lot of fun. I think they have a lot of personality. Um, I forget the name of one of them, but he's the one that basically is uh, channeling um, Stu from uh, Scream in terms of just being super over the top. Like when he's like, 
you know who I'm going to do? I'm going to relax because the rich people, they relax. I just love that. I just think that he's great. Um, it does have some pretty cool kills in it. And Derek Mears is such a kick-ass Jason. Um, you know, I, it sucks that you know, that he has not had the chance to do like five of these movies because I think he would just knock it out of the park every single time. And you know what's cool is Derek has always been such a great sport about that. Like, I remember I interviewed him back in, I think, 2013 for something. And I asked him if he would want to be Jason again or his thoughts on it. And what he said still stays with me to this day, that he would love to do Jason again. But as a fan, he just wants to see Jason back no matter who plays him. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's someone that's like that's a good person right there. You know, that's right. someone that is a fan and actually cares about the films more than just mm-hmm. a self-serving kind of way. Absolutely. Yeah. Derek Muir strikes me as a really awesome dude. Like he just seems like that kind of guy that, um, everyone's going to say good things about, you know? So I do totally. hope he gets a chance to play him again or just gets a chance to do like another iconic, create an iconic killer that becomes his. Yeah, I mean, he's he's played a, quite a few, like, really great characters, you know, like the mm-hmm. classic Predator and Predators and that kind of stuff. But I would like to see kind of what Adam Green did with Kane Hodder and Victor Crowley. I'd like to see someone create something specifically for Derek and have mm-hmm. a run with it. Um, I would love to know from Kane Hodder what he appreciates playing more, like Jason which, you know, was, you know, he made that role his own, but it had already existed before. Or, like, Victor Crowley, who maybe isn't as well-known as Jason, but is still pretty iconic. Oh, totally. That's a good question. So, But All he right. won't come on our show, because he's too much, of a, too much of a chicken shit coward, Kane. I know that. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. Oh, you okay, he's not serious. Please don't kill us, I'm Kane. Not, not serious at all, Mr. Hodder. Not, not at all. So. <laughs> so my next pick is the original Friday the 13th, the mm-hmm. first film. Uh, I know I'm going to get crucified you know, by a lot of fans for that, but I'm, I'm sorry. That's my number five. Uh, the first film, you know, I never really cared for it growing up. Uh, it just didn't do it for me. And it's not just because it didn't have Jason much. It's just, uh, you know, the idea that, like, the killer is revealed in the last 10, 15 minutes and you have no idea who it is. You know, it, it really rubbed me the wrong way for so many years until Justin Beam came on our show and kind of really illustrated the fact that, you know, it was a, for the most part through the point of view of, you know, the teens, the, the camp people, you know, so they would be surprised by this random person showing up. And it made me look at the film in a different light. So it is my number five. It's still not as good as the first four films in my ranking, but, mm-hmm. you know, I, I do enjoy it more now. Mm-hmm. So my number four is Friday the 13th, part one. Um, yeah, and now, like, all I have left, for spoiler alert, are films from the original four. Um, and it ranks at the bottom. Oh, no, that's not true at all, So I already ranked part three lower. So this ranks as my number four pick overall. Um, it's a good slasher movie. There's an air of mystery to it. I think that mystery goes out when... You know, as much as, like, Pamela Voorhees is an iconic character, I think when she reveals herself, you're kind of like, really? This woman? Um, But it's saved at that point by the fact that she's so batshit insane. It's a lot of fun. Um, I love the whodunit aspect. I love the point of view shots. The movie looks good. Um, And I really love these characters. Like, they're so much fun. Um, 
they're goofy, they're silly. Like these are what like teenagers are like, and you like them, and you don't want them to get um, killed off by one by one. Um, I love that they're playing strip monopoly. Like that to me is just like, of course, you know, like that to me is like it's sexy but like sweet at the same time it's like not like the remake where it's almost pornographic how far the sexuality goes at times like this is a little bit more of an air of kind of sweetness to it plus you get one of the best characters in any of the movies with crazy ralph oh i i love ralph but i I like alice a lot too alice is a great final girl um, mm-hmm. But my God, Crazy Ralph, like just hiding out in that pantry to tell them that they're doomed. Like, what if they yeah. never opened that pantry? <laughs> he would just die in there and get <laughs> lost. And like, he'd just, they'd find him like with a whole bunch of open can of peaches. Like, you know, like in the re- like he would you would see in part one him go into the pantry, and then in the remake in part nine he comes out of the pantry. Like I think you that's what it would be. It would be so great, but he's like, more he's, crazy like hold, he's holding holding his back. Like damn it, I just wanted to tell him they had a death curse. Yep, he's got a death curse. Like <laughs> you know, and like so many movies have tried to recreate that type of character and like none of them have ever been as successful as they have been with a crazy ralph not at all uh my number four is the 2009 remake uh i love that movie Mm -hmm. very much i i think the way it's shot is just it looks it looks so huge even just for being a contained kind of film i like the characters i like the character of clay like i said i kind of wish it would have been tommy jarvis but i get it it's cool I think the mystery of the townspeople kind of knowing about Jason's really enthralling to me. It's very mm-hmm. interesting. Uh, you know, I, I like Mears as Jason. I like a lot of the kills. I mean, the the one about, you know, the, with, with Jason, you know, throwing the little axe or the hatchet into the guy's back and kind of leaving him there to try to lure everyone out. This is the smart Jason. You know, this is the survivalist Jason, and I really liked that approach. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Survival's Jason is a lot of fun. And to your point, like what you just said about the town knowing it's part of what I like about part one is the town is aware that it's something is going on, but they're not sure exactly what that thing is. I kind of yeah. like that. So my number three pick is Friday the 13th part two. Um, I love Baghead Jason. I think a lot of us really love Baghead Jason. I love Survivalist Jason. I think Steve Dash does a really good job. Um, I think Steve Miner takes everything that was successful about Sean Cunningham's part one, and he improves on it. Um, It's shot better. I think that that little moment of like Ginny in Jason's shack, and you see in the background Jason running towards it, is terrifying and really, really cool. Um, I love the opening sequence with Alice, even though it's sad to see her go. Um, I still don't know how Jason found her, let alone transported his mom's severed head to her house on public transportation, but sure. Uh, It's got some of the best deaths overall. It's got some really iconic characters overall. It's where you hear about the legend of Jason for the first time, and that kind of mythology is going to carry over. Um, And it's a great slasher movie. It's a really fun, great slasher in and of itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Uh, My number three is uh, Jason Lives, part six. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it is one of, I think, it's just such a blast to watch. I think it's one of the more entertaining films in the series. I I think what Tom McLaughlin brought to the the movie is just so great. That kind of tongue-in-cheek 
you know, it is self-referential, and I, that stuff usually drives me nuts. I don't like meta stuff that that much at all, to be honest. Like, that's why, you know, I'm just not a huge fan of Scream. But mm-hmm. Jason Lives, I think, does it so well. And it has some of my favorite sequences in the whole series. You know, when, when uh, you know, John Travolta's cousin or nephew or whoever it is is driving that RV with the girl in the back, and he's listening to music. And, you know, he says, you know, this is great, like at least 40 times, I think. And mm-hmm. I, it's, it's, it's something that like when I showed my kids that that's become like a staple of like just something that if we're like really annoyed or if we're walking in the sun or really just frustrated, that's always something to really break the ice and the tension with me and my kids. They'll, they'll just randomly say that to make me smile or laugh. Mm-hmm. Hey, dad, dad, this is great. Like, yeah. I think, I think it's a great film, but I think I love it even more than that for like nostalgia purposes like it's it's just something i fell in love with so young Mm -hmm. excellent yeah it's i can see that that's still on my list here uh number two for me is part four the final chapter um to your point i think that it's a great teen comedy in and of itself um, I love the characters in this movie. I love the warmth between all the characters in this movie. Like this is one where everybody does feel like they're friends with one another. It feels like they've immediately bonded. It's the Caddyshack. Everybody gets laid in this movie. Like everyone except for poor Teddy gets a piece of ass in this movie, which you know, at least they have that going for them before they get killed. Yeah. Um, so I really love it. And again, it has the best Jason Voorhees in it. It's the intro of Tommy Jarvis. It kicks off the Tommy Jarvis trilogy. Um, I think that uh, Corey Glover is just fucking fan. It's Corey Glover, right? Oh, my God. I think Corey I'm Glover was the singer of, singer uh, of Living, Color. Living Color. Oh, my fucking God. <laughs> there's Chris McGlover and there's Corey Feldman. Thank you so much. It's like a hybrid person of both. Oh, man. I'm going to leave that in. Yep, Corey Glover, <laughs> lead singer of Living Color, cultural personality. Um <laughs> He has a spandex shorts. He has a spandex yes. like pants. Fighting Wear the Jason. body glove. Um, but yeah, Corey Feldman is so awesome in this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just like the shaved, crazy manic. I think like Jason's death with his face sliding down uh, the thing. Plus, you have like the filthy, disgusting coroner as well. Uh, like putting the bo- his sandwich on the dead body. Um, you know, like basically getting rid of the jack off to aerobics. Um, and then like when Jason's hand popped, like jumping, Jesus, Merry Christmas, fucking Christ, just like so over the top. Like this is a near perfect movie. It's like it is, and you know this could easily be my number one depending on my mood. But like right now, I have it as my number two. You know what? Number two is fine. And speaking of number two, my number two is, well, number two, (laughs) Friday the 13th 13th Part 2. It is only my second favorite because of how much I love the first one. But I think Friday the 13th 2 is the second best in the entire series for so many reasons. It's scary. It's terrifying. The characters are just so good. The design of Jason with the sack, I just, I love it so much. Mm -hmm. Uh, It has, like... You know, a lot of my favorite sequences are also in this one. I love Stu Charnel's character just going to the bar and basically never leaving. You know, <laughs> I, I think I said it during the episode of two. You know, I'd like to have kind of like a David Gordon Green's Halloween approach to Friday Thirteenth, where he, uh, Stu Charnel's character comes out, you know, of that bar all these years later. Uh, I, I just I love the movie so much. I think Steve Dash did a great job, and yeah, Steve Dash, you know, Warrington Gillette could get fucked. 
Steve Dash was Jason too. Uh, you know, I, I, I just love it. And I love that, that scene at the end where Jason breaks through the window, you know, like that is growing up. That was the scariest moment of any horror film to me. Like I can, the first time I saw that movie, I was staying at a motel. We were on, you know, we were, I think we're on a family trip or something like that. And it was on HBO or something like that. I watched it and I didn't sleep for at least a day or two because of that scene. It's scary. I think it's still terrifying. And I think it's exactly what a Friday 13th movie should be. Absolutely. Yep. Can't, can't, can't disagree with anything you just said there. Um, it was my number one for a long time. Um, I think over the years, I've just come to appreciate my number, my current number two and one a lot more overall. But I would have for a long time had Baghead Jason as my number one. Yeah. All right. My number one Friday the 13th movie is part six, um, Jason Lives. Um, I This movie is hysterical. I actually said today, like, someone asked on Twitter if, like, any of the Friday the 13th were going to be PG-13 which one would it be? And I'm like, this is this one. If it came out today, would probably be PG-13. Yeah. Because it has very little nudity. The kills aren't super graphic, although it does have one of my favorite kills overall. Um, but it's so funny. It brings this crazy energy to it overall. It's shot really well. I think that like that sequence of Jason walking alongside the cabin. Um, stalking out his victims. It's just like really good. Um, Tommy Jarvis, it's a, it's a different Tommy Jarvis, but he's hysterical in it. Um, and like CJ, is it CJ Wilson or CJ Parker? Uh, CJ Parker is a pro wrestler. See, yeah, I cannot do names. CJ Graham is a, an underrated Jason overall. He brings a really good movement and athleticism, even though he's kind of like slow and more the first zombie Jason. Um, the opening sequence is a really great homage to the Universal horror movies overall, like that really gothic feel of the graveyards. Um, and the movie's wickedly funny overall. Like the sequence where the kids are like, what were you going to be when you grow up? Like, it just cracks me up every single fucking time. Um, and it's one that I can watch with my nine-year-old and not feel like it's sleazy or, you know, like, is she seeing too much here? So, I, you know, I know um, Tom Matthews, or sorry, Oh my God, I cannot do fucking names. Tom McGoughlin was on our show saying he has a new script written, and I really hope that this lawsuit gets solved and he's able to create it. You know, what's crazy is since then, that whole thing has blown up so big. His scripts, mm-hmm. like, he's he's done so many interviews and stuff since then, and it feels like it's actually like just a force of nature, the script. Like, I cannot wait to see it come to fruition if it happens. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. You're number one. All right. My Jason number goes one. You're going to swerve us. It's Jason Goes yeah, to like, Hell. Yeah, I'm like, actually, it's Jason Goes to Hell. Now, uh, any of our listeners will know it is the final chapter. Mm-hmm. It is not just my fr- favorite Friday the 13th. I think it is the second best slasher of all time. It is the one Friday the 13th movie that just feels just like us like us you know i was tommy jarvis growing Mm -hmm. up Corey feldman is tommy jarvis that was me you know as a teenager who wasn't ted who wasn't jimmy you know like these were all people that we were and they're so identifiable and they're so relatable like i i love the movie so much and Mm -hmm. you know what i'm never going to be able to say this on the podcast again so i will say it one more time 
if you take Jason out of this movie, it is still one of the best coming of age movies of all time. Like it is, it is like the last American Virgin with Jason Voorhees in it. It is perfect. The kills are great. The final sequence. Oh my god, I love this movie so much. I think you need to find a way to slip that in <laughs> to pretty much every, no matter what series we're covering. Like we'll be like, like on Hellraiser six, and you'll be like, well, one of the things about. Unlike Friday the 13th Part 4, where you could take Jason out and have a Tristan comedy, <laughs> that's not the case in Hellraiser I'm like, Part 6. I'm like, listen, Leprechaun Returns is great and all, but if you take Jason out of Final Chapter, it's a great coming of age movie. <laughs> all right. All right. Man, that was great. I love the series so much. Oh, it was a fun series. Um, I can't wait to be done with it. Um, <laughs> Let's do, a, let's do a couple more tweets here. So All right. from our, our guest from um, our guest from the remake, Jen Ferratu, at Jen Ferratu, one of the hosts of the Horror Virgin, says her favorite one is still the original, uh, a female killer, a death curse, and Kevin Bacon. It's her horror movie comfort food. Oh, that's cool. Right on. Can't fault someone there for that. Not at um, all. From the You're All Doomed podcast, at YAD podcast. I have not listened to this yet, so I'm going to add that to my list of shows I need to listen to here. Because I love the name of that, and now I wish we stole it. Um, but their favorite Jason is part six. Um, again, Corey Glover from Living Color playing Jason <laughs> Our Favorite film was Friday the 13th part two. Where next? Take the Halloween approach. Forget everything after part two. The sequel is present day. Jenny Field is grappling with her demons and going back to Crystal Lake to find out what happened to Jason. I like it. I would definitely dig that. Um, one more tweet from Colin, the film guy, who is at on stream pro. Hotter is their favorite Jason. Uh, Hotter is by far my favorite Jason. I love the ferociousness of his performance. In the new blood, so Good. a lot of love for a lot of love for Kane Hodder, who once again is a coward that won't come on our show. Again, I kid, absolutely <laughs> joking. Please, oh, God. please. Uh, you, you see it on like Dread Central or Blade discussing in a week. Yeah, Hot in the out. Pendulum co-host calls Kane Hodder a pussy. I mean, you know not. what? I'm calling him out. Fantastic Fest debate. You and me, Kane oh, Hodder. God, it just it just cuts to you with like his head around your head, like squishing your skull. Yeah. He's. I bumped into him. He was at. Um, he was in Salem, Mass last year during the Salem Horror Film Fest, and he was at the uh, this really awesome like Count Orlock's Wax Museum, um, which is this really cool must see attraction for any horror fan. And he was there just like doing a meet and greet, which I had no idea. Um, and he's not super tall. But my God, he's a solid man. Like at one point, he needed to get by me, so he just kind of put his hands on my shoulders to say "excuse me," and um, I shit my pants a little bit. So, like, yeah, I definitely <laughs> like that. Was a big, it's a big dude. All right, what do you want to do next, Jerry? Where do you want to go? Okay, with this? I think that we're good. We have we've really tied up for I thirteenth, and any of our listeners that have enjoyed it, uh, you know. This fall, we are going to tackle the Halloween series, which if you think that I have been passionate at on any of the episodes of Friday the 13th, that is nothing compared to how much I love Halloween and, and most of the sequels. I'm so passionately for them, and when they don't work, I'm so passionately against them, so I apologize mm -hmm. in advance. But before that, 
we thought it would be great to have a good palate cleanser. So we're going to be tackling all three of the Blair Witch films next. Yeah. Those will be our. This is not a palate cleanser. I'm like, oh, we should do like something light and fluffy. Like, let's do the Blair Witch, which is one of my three favorite horror movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Oh uh, no, no, I, I don't think it's like so much a palate cleanser. Like, because I think at least, I, especially the first episode, I think is going to be one of the best episodes we ever do. Uh, you know, we have some cool guests lined up, and also while you're waiting for our Blair Witch series to come out, I have to recommend a podcast that has just been doing such a great job on that. And that is Al White, the director of Starfish and guest on our Friday 13th part two mm-hmm. uh, episode. He runs the, we are geeks podcast and they've been tackling Blair Witches as, as well. And honestly, any listeners of ours, please listen and subscribe to them. Yeah. They are really doing a great job with that one. I've, I think they just did their third episode I've listened to the first two, and what they're doing is pretty interesting. They're not just covering the three movies, but there's a separate episode on Curse of the Blair Witch, the mini-documentary that premiered on the Sci-Fi Channel like the week that the Blair Witch Project came out, and they get deep into the weeds on all the background in the movie, similar to what we're going to do. Like I can tell you, when I was on vacation, I spent like every night at a little pub. Once everyone went to bed, I would go down the street to this little English pub, break out a notebook, and just like handwrite my notes for the Blair Witch Project, look up articles to draw from. This, to me, is the most scared I've ever been in a movie theater was the first time I saw the Blair Witch Project when it made its premiere in Boston uh, about a week or two ahead of going national. Um, It scared me. I wouldn't watch it again for years because it scared me so bad. Um, It still to me is really effective. Um, And I think it's like fascinating how this little movie really changed horror um, in a really good way overall. Oh, so most, if, most definitely. Yeah. And, and I'm right there with you. I have literally only seen it twice. I've seen that movie twice, once opening week, and it scared the shit out of me so much. I saw it when I was 18 that mm-hmm. I did not watch it again until I was 36, about right. two years ago. Like it still scares the living mm-hmm. hell out of me. And I'm so excited to revisit it and do the episodes on it. So we've lined up some, I think, some really impressive guests that, you know, until I hate announcing guests until it actually happens because um, I don't want to jinx it. But I think it's going to be really, really cool. I think you, our fans of the show are going to be really impressed. Uh, and then we, as much as I love the Blair Witch Project, I have an equal and opposite reaction to Blair Witch 2 Book of Shadows, which is one of like – one of maybe only a handful of movies that has ever gotten me aggressively angry. Um, I hate that movie so fucking much, and I keep trying to give it a chance, and I just can't. Um, And then the 2016 movie sits kind of in the middle. Like I think it's better than people remember it. Um, So I'm really excited to do the Blair Witch Project. And then, yeah, we are lining up some crazy stuff for Halloween, and I think we're going to end up like Halloween is going to take us through the end of the year, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it is. And uh, another thing that I'd like to uh, kind of soft announce before you know, bef- before we we end this is we're also going to do a one-off episode. Ooh. And this one-off episode, like it's almost too epic to even talk about because it is so insane. Justin Beam 
who was our guest on the first Friday Thirteenth episode, and he has the Justin Beam Radio Hour, which I, is one of my favorite podcasts around. Uh, he came up with a really great idea. I thought it would be fun to do another one-off John Carpenter episode and maybe have Justin on it. So I reached out, and he he said, "Well, why don't we just do one huge episode? I mean, like huge episode where we just go through his whole filmography, and you know, don't." Don't threaten me with a good time. So I said yes. So we will be doing the most extensive, weird, long episode ever with Justin Beam on John Carpenter. It's going to be – so my favorite podcast is a show called The Lapsed Fan. Um, if you guys have watched the show on Vice, um, like the history of pro wrestling with Jason Eisner, which is really phenomenal – these guys in podcast form put that show to shame. Um, they typically do like anywhere from five to eight hour episodes. Uh, it used to be on just like a pro wrestling pay-per-view and they would do the history behind it and then deep dive the show itself. Now they're like, they did like a, tw- like a three month long series on world-class championship wrestling. Right now they're doing like the Vince McMahon trial um every day of the trial like diving deep into the history of it overall and it's insane how much they're documenting this little weird thing called rest wrestling um i have the feeling that we're going to reach that level of length on the show when it comes to the john carpenter episode and we may be recording this thing in chunks and then splicing it together it's one epic show for you guys oh, i'm looking I think so too I am not looking forward to editing that show. <laughs> it's like raw shit. It's, we just put it out oh there. Oh my god! Well, I think at the six-hour point, you're just going to be me weeping, going like, "I need to <laughs> go." Uh, but that's um, it. I, so, all right, yeah, definitely. So, anyways, everyone, thank you so much for being a part of this Friday Thirteen series. We hope you stay along for the ride with Blair Witch and Halloween, yeah. and we are not stopping anytime soon. So, thank you so much. So, Reach out to us on Twitter. Jerry, where where can they find you online? Uh, I am always mostly on Twitter, uh, at Jerry is just okay. Uh, you know, one of the great things, uh, and also on Scream Magazine, uh, issue number 56 came out. I am so excited. It's my first cover story. I wrote a nice. really extensive retrospective on Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's on stands now. Definitely recommend it. But one of the great things that I know I could speak for uh, – you know, Mike and myself, we love talking to you guys on Twitter. We try to respond to every single person. Mm-hmm. So if you ever have a question or want to talk on Twitter, guys, just reach out. It's We are yeah. at Pod and Pendulum over on Twitter. We've got a bunch of new followers in the past month, in the past few weeks, which has been great. Um, I'm at Mike underscore Snooting. But, yeah, we want to find ways to build – more of a community it's something that we're kind of working on um you know both of us work full-time and have families but like we love doing this and you know to me like i think what i wanted to set out to do when we did friday the 13th is create like a really cool audio companion for anybody that loves these movies and i think that we've done that i think mission fucking accomplished so All right, so Jerry, you have a fantastic night. I am going to go sign out from here, and uh, we'll talk to you next week with the Blair Witch Project. All right, have a good one, guys.